So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard. It's part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Hello and welcome along to chapter 88 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan, thank you. No, Merlo this week, very official. Yeah, very official. Very official. When you said chapter 88 there, I, su- I suddenly thought of uh, Jocks Goes to Stuttgart. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the year of 88 and the lovely one to June. When the dark flies are swarming and dogs howling at the moon. Oh! With rosary beads and sandwiches, <laughs> first of Kirby began. Jack their packages. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. I, I, I fucked up. I fucked up. <laughs> Graham, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Go how are on, you? I'm tremendous. I'm tremendous. We are coming to you this week. We have returned to the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel after our little trip. Down trip to Bray Comedy Festival. Down to Bray, BRE Fodder. Fair play to Adam Work, man. That's a great, great festival. Unbelievable. Um, if you weren't lucky enough to get tickets for 2017, make sure you keep it. It's a year away, but. Keep an eye out for 2018 because the lineup's only going to be bigger and better. Mm. Um, and thanks to everybody who spoke to us down there and people that we met and all that kind of crack. But alas, we are back in our humble abode that is Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Do you know and what? You can check out almost. Hang on a second, Graham. Hang on. You're eager. You're eager. You're official and eager. Hang on a second. Just Oh, yeah. Cool. Check out FitzpatrickCastle.com. Yeah, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, and when we were doing the Bray Comedy Festival, and we were going from venue to venue, yes. um, seeking interviews. Yes, um, we had someone tell us that they listened to us. Yeah, and to be honest, I was blown away. I was a bit taken aback. Taken aback is a great way of phrasing it because yeah. the great PJ Gallagher told us that he listens to us. Yeah, now he might have just been massaging our egos. Well, it worked. It did work because <laughs> I got a T-shirt now printed. <laughs> PJ Gallagher listens to us. If anyone um, um, hasn't seen Young Offenders with PJ Gallagher, oh my God, they have to see it. Amazing. PJ's brilliant in it, but the two young lads in it as well. Because normally when you see films that are made in Ireland about kind of similar enough topic, it's always based in Dublin. Yeah. It's always Dublin junkies and it's always this kind of thing. Yeah. But this one, the two young lads, it's based in Cork and the two young lads are two Cork young lads mm. and it's absolutely amazing oh, it's, it is it's it's really good it's it's very funny my only complaint is that it was it was quite short i thought i thought that was perfect though because there's not more than the film going on too long i, I think i think i just film, love the characters so much yeah that's true any film that i'm watching where i check the time instantly loses marks for me when you check the time yeah yeah i rarely do that either yeah. man. so that's how that's how i judge it because i don't really do it if i See myself checking my phone or checking the time. It's written brilliantly, though, isn't it? It's amazing. It's a great, great Apparently, film. Apparently, um, the two young lads are getting a spin-off. I hope so. That'd be bleeding yeah, amazing. Yeah, like a, like, a, like, a, like a kind of like a TV show. Yeah. I just love the bit where PJ's buying the nail gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In, like, Woody's or something. Yeah, it's amazing. And your one's laughing at him and all. What's, what's he, she says, uh, what are you doing, a bit of DIY? No. I'm going to crucify you, young fella. And she just sits there looking Laugh. at him and then laughing yeah. and then he shoots her with the nails. I'm giving the plot away. Never mind. What are you watching that um, nails on Teddy at the moment? I am. I'm watching a show called This Is Us. Oh yeah, I'm watching it too. Man, the first episode got me. Yeah, the first episode got the me. First, I, see, I don't know because this is a show that's been going on for a while. But yeah, RT started from scratch only about three weeks ago. Yeah, so people are kind of only only getting into it now. Like, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The, the first that I don't want to give anything away. Like, but it's a good plot though. It, the first episode, my God, man! Yeah, it, it completely it, got me. Yeah, it did get me. Um, very well written, very well done, though I have I, to say. I and it strikes a great balance between funny, like not like it's comedy drama, isn't it? I was gonna say it's not like hilarious where you'd be slapping your leg laughing or not. Yeah, like that, yeah. But it's just nice. It, it it'll put a smile on your face, but it'll also put a tear in your eye, man. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent it will. I um yeah, RT only started it about three or four weeks ago, so I'm. Um, I have it series link, and I watched the first two episodes. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it really is. Really happy with myself. 
really um, happy with my decision to watch it. Just sorry, just because <laughs> it came into my head there, just to jump back a second. A number of people commented on my level of giddy slash hyperness while we're look. I don't get out often, lads. <laughs> right. So when I do get out, I get giddy and. Sure, what better time to get giddy in the Bray Comedy Festival? So for all those people who said, were you on yokes in Bray? <laughs> a few lines. Or uh, were you chatting to Pablo Escobar while you were out there? No, lads, I was just very excited to be in Bray. I don't get out often. It, and we saw the swans. We did, we seen the swans, yeah. Adam Burke did, in fact, fight a swan after he finished recording with us. Um, dove straight into the harbour, gave one a DDT, pinned it for the tree count. All the other swans are looking at him now. So speaking of DDT, good segue, unintentional segue. Yeah, started watching uh, a lot of old school WWE on the WWE Network. I was a very good segue. Well done. Yeah, um, I think I talked about the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the Bruce Pritchard podcast. Yes, you did. Yeah, and he uh, he is obviously Vince McMahon's right hand man, but he's retelling stories of like eighty eight, yeah, ninety two, but specific pay per views he touches on. Right, and every time he talks about the booking of a match or whatever I find myself after the podcast going back to watching that whole pay-per-view love it <laughs> like Shane's going mad because I'm randomly texting him there the other night just watch SummerSlam 93 fun show <laughs> and then he's like why are you randomly watching SummerSlam so are you, 93 are you almost doing like a critical analysis of no no I'm just watching it again because uh, it's fresh have, in my you ha- mind you have a background story yeah yeah exactly man. okay alright and yeah. then the, the night after that just watch Summer, uh, Survivor Series 88 <laughs> So I yeah. went from 93 to 88. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, going time, mad. Yeah, time travelling, kid. Time travelling. It's good, though. Um, speaking of time travelling and segueing, mm. uh, I'd been saying how I was watching 12 Monkeys, the series, which involves time travel and the end of the world and all that kind of stuff. Where can someone watch that? Uh, Netflix? Or n- just no. those sites? You know, when something comes onto your computer and I'm not saying it's legal or illegal. I don't know. I'm pleading ignorance. All yeah. I'm saying is... It sounds like Schmidt Schmorrent. Okay, cool. And that's yeah. next. Next. Um, but yeah, I loved it. So uh, season three is coming out soon, but season two I finished. And that combined with the smallpox thing that I talked about on many chapters, well, about eight weeks ago maybe, mm. put me into this whole thing of, hang on a second. Like, this could actually happen. Not the time travel bit. Not the time travel bit. Yeah. But the whole, some... Lone Wolf just who has had enough decides to attack the world. So then I was on Netflix and I was trying not to go down a rabbit hole because the Everest situation showed us that me and rabbit holes go deep, <laughs> deep, man. Um, but I was on Netflix and Netflix currently had the season. One, it was only one ever season of it, but Joe Rogan questions everything. Right. And there was an episode on bioweapons. And I was like, It's well, a documentary type program? No, no, it's kind of. It's kind of Joe Rogan being sceptical and kind of half taking the piss out of people who are serious about it, but at the same time giving you information where you're going, wait, what? what? Um, so, like, one episode is on Bigfoot, for example, and there's these people who genuinely believe Bigfoot's real, and he's like, come on, man, come on. But the one I watched was about bioweapons, because that's what I'm kind of on a buzz for at the moment. Yeah. Really? And is that still on Netflix? Uh, it was as of Wednesday, just gone. It's not. It's not like Joe's comedy or anything, is it? No, no, no. it's not like a stand-up comedy. No, I don't like Joe Rogan's comedy at all. Yeah, that's I okay. love his podcast, but it, his comedy does nothing for me. Yeah, well, it would be more like his podcast. Say, it'd right. be more like kind of his podcast, just with a twinge of kind of taking the piss for TV kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm looking at you now, and I'm getting the Michael Douglas out of falling down look for some reason with the glasses. Me? Yeah. Alright, I'm not going to go wreck a shop or anything like that anytime soon. Right. Sorry worry. man, that was a bit random. I just no, it's, it's alright, sometimes brain I... Brain farted. Sometimes I look at you when you have that beard and I think... I'm getting it chopped. Heracles. What do you think of? Heracles. Heracles. <laughs> Heracles WWF Superstar? Or Heracles... No, the... God. The, 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 well... The Greek God. Semi-God. Demi-God even. Why? Well, he, he was half man, half God, like... Is that what I am? Or well, the WWF superstar. Just with that beard, yeah. Oh, lovely, thanks. That's a compliment. Anyway, so the whole bioweapons thing um, sent me down a rabbit hole. Will you stop doing that, please? You're going to give me an erection. <laughs> um, because <laughs> this is audio, 
gonna leave that to people's imaginations to see <laughs> and think what you were doing. Okay, there. cool. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna get uh, a guest on in the next couple of weeks who is a bioweapons expert, mm. and he is gonna scare the bejesus out of us and tell us how realistic these kind of like like a World War Z scenario or the Twelve Monkey scenario or any kind of end of world scenario that is from chemical warfare that isn't a nuke. Like with the whole yeah. thing of uh, Kim Jong Jam. Yeah, that that whole thing. That, that whole yeah, thing. that whole thing. Um I mean Imagine if North Korea scale. can infiltrate that in Malaysia. Imagine that on a huge scale. Where where else can they? Imagine if they decided rather than just doing a cloth on one bloke, they were just gonna throw a bucket of that in a train station. On a subway in New York. Mm. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. Nuts. Terrifying. So uh, that's coming up in the next few weeks, lads. Um, you won't want to listen to that in the dark or alone <laughs> or beside somebody with a cough. Yeah. Spread. That's it. What about, uh, we? I think we talked about it last week with the drive through Ash. Apparently. Ash Wednesday. Apparently it was apparently a roaring success. It was a roaring success. I've seen. Lads going in with their tractors and JCBs and yeah, all. I've seen footage of, of lads and tractors and priests climbing up onto Massey Ferguson's, <laughs> dishing out the ash. What? <laughs> Amazing scenes, oh, man. Stuff. There's people in my job with a bit of ash on their forehead. Was there? Yeah. I didn't see anybody with a bit of dirt in their head this year. I haven't got it since about 12. Well, since it was compulsory in school, remember? Priest used to come into school. Yeah, primary school, wasn't it? Primary, yeah, it wasn't yeah, secondary. Yeah. Father Mike did it in secondary, though. Yeah, but it was optional in secondary school, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. That, so that means Lent has started, doesn't it? Yeah, you giving a baton? I've never, I don't think I've ever I, stuck to Lent. I gave up on giving up a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, kid. exactly. I mean, <laughs> that goes out to Mark Merrigan. <laughs> I, I think that's akin to keep on keeping on. Oh, really? She always used to say. Doesn't seem to be signing off his post as much anymore. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, no, he, he doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. How are yeah. you, Mark? Love you. All right, that. Um, yeah, so, what, I was going to say something now, I can't remember what. I got distracted by people with dirt on our head. Or Ash, if you're into that kind of thing. I'm not being disrespectful. It's just, you know, whatever. Mm. Oh, yeah, I am being a bit disrespectful, whatever. What do you think of confession? <sighs> oh, Other than doing the confession, was it before communion or confirmation or both? I'd say both. Have you gone since? No, never. <laughs> Either way. And I made stuff up then as well. <laughs> uh, you made stuff up? Yeah, of course I did. In the confession box? They're eight years old. Yeah, like, you know of course what you mean? just make it you up. Don't, you don't even understand like sin and all that sort can of can you stuff, remember you know, what you said ah, probably something like uh, for for talking back to me mammy for fighting with my brother mm. and uh, for that time that I swore out loud <laughs> right give me four hell manies and an old hand on he makes down there now you sound like we bandits you know that's the height of it like, I, like I, don't, I don't know man like there's some people who believe that confession is a very cathartic thing but don't know no I don't see it man you know I, I think if if, look, just be good. Like I don't care what religion you are. Right? You're Catholic, Protestant, Islam, Orthodox, Jewish, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. Just don't be a dickhead. <laughs> just don't be a dickhead. End of story. Anyway. Anyway. Shall we progress to our guest? We should. Do you want to do the, the honours? Um, our guest is the writer... Yeah. An actor. Yeah. The amazing Emmett Kerwin. All right, we're joined now by um, a man whose voice everybody is familiar with at this point. And uh, if you've been fortunate enough to see him on stage recently with Dublin Old School, you'll know just how good he is. Emmett Kerwin, thanks very much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I was just getting rid of my mint there. Because <laughs> I've right. I, I done that kind of like rookie mistake just before you pressed record where I went, oh, I'll take the hard sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I put that in my mouth and then I was trying to get rid of it quickly. Just you, put it out now, disgustingly. You, you could have left them, man. We two jellies on this show and everything. But it was just the noise of it and it would have been crackling. Against so, your teeth. So now you're going you to have to sit there and look at this little yeah. messy that's, mint. That's the actual tissue. pro. Look at him. He's, it's the first time on this podcast. You've done 88 of these and you still scratch your beard nits every week. I don't have beard nits. I scratch the beard, but because you have nits, I don't have nits. Nits of the beard. <laughs> it's a, it's a beautiful. It needs to be trimmed, beard. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite an impressive mane. Yes, yeah. thank I'll, you. I'll be, mane. In tr- I'll be in trying so hard. Yeah. That's about two years' growth. It, hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What are we? We're, we're March now. I haven't shaved since January. 
serious? <laughs> I swear to God, man. Right. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of looking in the mirror and just being like, grow. Kind of like a Play-Doh kind of person, you know, you kind of like yeah. stick your tongue in your mouth and you just like blow hard and let your hair kind of grow out of your face. Yeah, yeah but it was just nothing happening, man. So yeah. I got a haircut last week and usually I shave with every haircut, but I just, I've been lazy. Well, look, so. if it's any, you know, consolation to you, it's very manly looking. Thank you. And it shows that you've got or virility. Thank you. <laughs> He's only being nice at state of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, deadly. Um, that's enough beer talk Emma how are you man I'm good yeah yeah yeah. running yeah. around um, yeah good can't complain great stuff um, I know Graham went to see Dublin Owl School yeah I didn't so I'll let him ask questions about it I tried to go and see Riot you were in oh, Riot yeah. I'm sold out Riot's coming back actually oh is it yeah it's going they're releasing tickets this week I think and uh, it's going to be going to the Vicar Street oh wow exactly. yeah yeah so um we will there's yeah. a day for us yeah so it's, it's going on Vicar Street and myself and two of the lads from it Lord Destroyer are going to be on the Late Late Show on Friday well you were Sunday. on the Late Late Show on <laughs> yeah, Friday yeah yeah I was on the Late Late Show <laughs> yeah. so I'll take that again <laughs> so myself and the lads were on the Late Late Show uh, on Friday uh, the, the guys Lord Destroyer like, so they, these are these uh, cork acrobat comedians they're brilliant you know so they're part of the show so Roy is this big kind of like variety kind of show and myself what's and an acrobat comedian that's yeah, you t- you kind of it's a good question. Um, they do, they do. They're really like they're, they're really funny, and uh, they do uh, they do a mixture of kind of acrobat acrobatics and dance and comedy at the same time. You know, on stage, so they come out kind of dressed like nineteen eighties uh, um, uh, fitness instructors. You know, and start like bouncing around the stage. Really impressive stuff, like the things they can do. You know, right. and then there's one. There's, well I won't give away too much about the show because it's in it but you know when they come out like they do all these tumbles and talking to the audience and uh, yeah so you'll see you'll see they, like, they're pretty impressive you know yeah. what they can do you know and uh, who else is there that, that rustling there was me eating jelly babies <laughs> uh, who else is there oh yeah Panty Bliss is also in it and uh, really? Panty Bliss and um, not Lord of Strut, who am I thinking of now Ooh. My head's gone. Sorry, guys. It's um, a ver- it's a variety show, is it? Kinda, yeah. They don't like the word variety now. No. <laughs> no, no, but it is essentially it's like a it's like an old self variety show, various different acts, and um, that's where Heartbreak came from. Oh, so Heartbreak really? is a poem, is w- one of four poems that is in uh, Riot. Okay. That I was commissioned to write for the show Riot. You know. Wow. So <laughs> so the the viral sensation yeah. that is Heartbreak came from Riot yeah it's in it's the second I was asked to kind of do cause Riot what, what Riot is it's kind of like um, a counter celebration to 1916 so it, it, we did it last year and they said look the show is called Riot and it's basically celebrating the um, the part of the arts in revolution and how the arts has been intertwined with revolution, especially in Ireland, and especially with 1916 celebrations. So poetry is kind of one of the major parts of it. And like you've seen old school, like it's play, but there's lots of parts in it that yep. are quite, you know, uh, spoken word poetry. And um, so they asked me to write four poems that were about Ireland now, commenting kind of on Ireland now. So one of them was about politicians and how to use and abuse words and kind of like change the meanings of words kind of in an Orwellian fashion, you know, the healthcare service, for example, is never. It never. It never. It's never underfunded. It always overspends. You know right. what I mean. This is the kind of way I like, and you know, calling things like lifetime community ratings. That was one of the poems. Was about that language being abused by politicians and used as kind of words of hatred as opposed to hope. So we angry, right now. All the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, kind of some parts, like some parts, you know, you kind of you're writing. You kind of have to. You owe everybody a good time. So, the other poems. The tone of them is quite is is both serious and light at the same time. You know, some of them are so there's kind of jokes interspersed into them, like the kind of thought about the kind of the absurdity of what's happening in the world or what's happening in Ireland specifically. You know, yeah. So it's kind of four poems, and then one of them was called Heartbreak. That was a part of the show. It was called Heartbreak. So I was given that word, and I wrote the poem from that. You were given a word, yeah, and you wrote that whole. Piece. Yeah, well, yeah. The the the, the, the second part of the show My was going to be called Heartbreak. So I kind of was thinking, right, well, how am I going to crack this one as a writer, you know? So I said, um, if it's about Ireland and if it's about revolution and it's about bringing in all those kind of things about celebration, it's like, well, where is Ireland right now? And what would Ireland be if it was 
a young girl, you know, like you could signify Ireland or personify the word heartbreak into a poem. What would signify heartbreak, you know? So um, a lot of the kind of stuff, yeah, I just kind of, I basically storified that poem and made it a better person, you know? And um, took like lots of different kind of, lots of different kind of influences from, you know, conversations I had with my girlfriend about her being shouted with that in the street and kind of things that she'd said to me had happened to her, you know, and kind of how, how often, you know, how, how often it happens. And then kind of just, I wanted to bring in stuff about the housing crisis and kind of give, you know, because a lot of the time when people talk about like seven, eight thousand homeless people, but it's always kind of just a number. Yeah. You know, kind of way. So I kind of said, right, well, look, how do you personify this? How do you give voice to the voiceless or, you know, yeah. basically humanise this kind of what is usually put forward as a statistic on the Vincent Brown show or, you know, one of these things where politicians to make, you know, um, capital against each other you know what I mean yeah. like they, they essentially they roll off these figures but after a while they can kind of have a dehumanising effect where you don't actually see these 8,000 people as you see beyond you, the figure yeah, yeah you kind of just see them as numbers you know mm. so the heartbreak was like that so yeah did and you then, expect to did you expect it to explode the way it did in no, su- such a short time no 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 actually like I thought you know what would happen with it, you know? Because you um, had the you had the clip just saying a couple of years ago as well, right, yeah, and yeah. that was near, that was what under three quarters of a million yeah. views as well. That, yeah, that so was that, y- that was Dave's one. Dave Tynan wrote that, and then he directed it, and he also directed Heartbreak. So you have form for yeah, bra- yeah, for, yeah. Bra- <laughs> for breaking the internet. Like. Well, that's well, like you see, well, one, like <clears throat> what that is, you can kind of do it because in terms of me as a writer, you know, you, you like I can't like there's more stuff now, but like at the time. I was writing for television and writing kind of plays that couldn't actually be kind of turned into kind of, you know, shorter form things to put online, you know. But now, because of the amount of poetry I've done in the interim period between just saying and that, you can. But also, not everything would work on YouTube. You know, like, like there's four poems of Riot, like, and not all of them. The the Heartbreak one was the only one that really could work. That worked. Short film. As a visual, like. Yeah. Yeah. And, And as well, like, I wanted to kind of get it out there before we kind of got it out in January, but we tried to get it out before the end of 1916 celebrations were over, you know, okay. so that it would have kind of resonance for now. And that was the main reason. And just because, it, like, it's one thing about having a poem in the theatre, but, like, it is only seen by a certain amount of people. Yeah. So we just thought kind of, like, the message was important for all the debates around homelessness and around repeal the eight. You know, these were kind of important kind of messages that you wanted to put out as soon as possible. So it's one thing, you know, putting it on the theatre... And you'll get a lot of people to come and, and engage with it. And it's asking something of people to kind of move home from their house and go to a theatre and engage with it. But most things now are consumed online. So it's kind of a way of disrupting yeah. that quotidian kind of like thing of everyday um, timelines, you know, Twitter, Facebook. How do you do you've, that? You've touched you know on something really interesting there by saying that, though, because, <clears throat> yeah, look, it's, it's a long time since I don't be leaving, Sarah. But I mean, in the, in the space time since I don't be leaving, like I mean, kids aren't going to pick up a poetry book, but what they are going to do is go on to YouTube, go on to Facebook, and like of the one point whatever million people have seen Heartbreak, yeah. how many of them are going to be adolescents, probably just down or just finished their leaving? Like, yeah. surely there's a space for that kind of work, something that, like that, to be brought in and being and because I mean, like that that Use poem technology, like. Yeah, but I mean, that kind of format and that, like, that's going to connect with a younger generation so much. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to Heaney and Kavanagh and all them lads, like, but I mean, something yeah. like Heartbreak is going to connect with people of that sort of generation a lot more than, you know, Lake Water Lapping and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. like. it's, 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 what happens is, like, poetry and writing is always going to go on through a different kind of, like, phase, like, different kind of phases. And before the novel, like in the 19th century, poetry was the main thing that people read. It was the main type of entertainment for the educated classes. Like they would read poetry books and then the novel took over. So poetry, even for years, even when with all these kind of like famous poets we had, never really sold that much. You know what I mean? The 20th century was read more, but like, you know, the novel is kind of taking it over and then television and film, you know. So what's happening is it's about the delivery systems of it. A lot of the time when you buy poetry or a book of poetry, it's quite academic. Yeah. You know, you're reading it and you're kind of looking at It's kind of forced. Yeah. Well, there's like, you know, so like it's more kind of about kind of stanzas and couplets and, you know, like basically the form that it takes, you know, that kind of way. So it's like people can enjoy 
on an academic level where they go, oh, I really like what he did there with that stanza and rhyming scheme and so forth. So now what's happening is poetry kind of, someone said, there's a poet, Sarah Clancy, said it today in an article in the news. Well, she actually did it in the article in the journal. You know, poetry actually has a way of kind of changing people after they hear it. And people actually wind up using it. This is something she said now. You know, at funerals and stuff like that. So mm. all of a sudden it comes along and <clears throat> poetry can be in a world that is kind of what we were saying about like these young people are reading tweets and Facebook. They're kind of like posts that are composed quite quickly and hastily. Yeah. And they're not actually that profound. It's all kind of disposable stuff that yeah. goes off your timeline in <clears throat> a few hours. But a poem is something that is short form to a degree. It could be like two pages, you know, and it can be profound. You know what I mean? But it actually takes a lot longer to do. Do you know what I'm mean? yeah, so yeah. kind of But then if you can use the internet or performance, and that's the thing, it, it, it's, it's, it's much better crack just to hear a poem yeah. than it is to kind of read it. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, it can seem quite boring, you know what I'm kind of like this. So I think it's finding a new form by getting online and kind of getting people into into places that go listen to it because as well it's influenced by hip hop you know what I mean people like they love hip hop and they like poetry obviously yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean there's yeah. an appetite for it like you know so and sorry I'm waffling on here for no not at all not at all fascinating it's like, a, it is absolutely fascinating and I just wanted to know there uh, when you were a teen and oh. you're kind of wanting to be an actor or wanting to be a writer yeah like was poetry always a love um, yeah like I always like I like I'd, I would have written a lot more kind of plays and stuff like that. And then within the plays, then trying to throw in rhyming kind of schemes within that, you know? Yeah. And mine, I would have really appreciated poetry in various different types of poets. A lot of American poets, actually, <clears throat> I would have listened to, read, listened to, I don't know, listened to, read necessarily in the Irish ones. And, and hip-hop as well. So it was kind of a mixture of those beat poets and there's like modern kind of poets like Mark Bibbins and kind of poetry like, slam would that be yeah, yeah. kind of yeah and all, but also written stuff you know what I mean I liked anything that was kind of that had a rhythm to it kind of jazz flavour like there's a poet E. e. Cummings who kind of <clears throat> kind of wrote a lot of stuff in the early part of the 20th century that was influenced by jazz music you know what I mean you can see that how it's written on the page yeah. so we always loved anything like um, and, our, and Irish playwrights like Marco Rowe or Conor McPherson when they wrote things if they wrote it phonetically or they kind of would get rid of uh Ted Hughes as well as a great poet. Like when he writes um, Greek dramas, like he did a uh, Sophocles Oedipus. You know when he writes it on the page, he'd have like three words and then a gap and then three words and then the, it would drop off out of nowhere and then there'd be like a line of blank and then like halfway across the page would be another three words. So basically, he was telling you how to say and how to perform the piece by print, wow. not necessarily through an academic thing of like, you know. And, and a lot of modern poets do it now as well. There's a really great one, a young girl called Essie Stone. And she does that the same way, you know, she kind of, she writes it in a particular way where there's one word in the middle and then, like, it's it's hard to explain, you know, because yeah. it's something I'm looking, I'm seeing it in front of my eyes right now, but uh, probably not explaining it that well. But, you know, so when I was growing up, I liked anything that kind of plays around with the printed book yeah. on the page that kind of sounded, that was written out phonetically, you know, so like books like Irvin Welsh as well, yeah. you know, things like that, like I really loved when people did new things with language, you know. And, and hip-hop was always an influence as yeah, well. Yeah, huge influence, you know, and music as well, I was big into indie music, I was into kind of all music, yeah. you know, I was a huge indie fan, but I was also a huge hip-hop fan, you know, as well, and good hip-hop, like no, I think, yeah, there's a lot of good hip-hop out now at the moment, you know, and well, a lot of good Irish hip-hop artists as well, as loads of them. Was it ever kind of, was it, was it ever kind of hard coming from kind of say a working class area yeah um, to get all your stuff out there yeah like I mean what happens is you kind of almost have to have kind of a certain amount of cultural capital before people are listening to your own stuff if that makes sense Perfect so I was sense, lucky yeah. so I was lucky in a sense that I'd worked as an actor on stage for a long time so before I kind of started settling down to put my own writing out if that makes sense mm. so I'd worked from 2001 on a load of kind of different things like TV shows and stuff like that and it was quite it's kind of had pain in my arse the only kind of like old dead white men plays you know that really? was like just yeah it's fucking like I hated kind of like old plays I really loved modern stuff you know not that I hated old plays I just you kind of found out after a while like I really loved theatre that was what I trained in in Trinity and I went to Trinity to become a theatre actor but then you get it, but I, I, I read all of these modern English plays and modern Irish plays and modern American plays, but then when you got into the world of working in theatre, you found out how quickly so few of those plays were actually performed. Right. 
like net, like you know, if there was like a percentage, it was probably maybe twenty, twenty five percent. So I was like going fucking, you know, a real pain in my ass with like kind of doing plays that were written a hundred years ago, and people trying to say that it has resonance for today. Because it's just like going, it doesn't have resonance for today. Because the person who wrote it wrote it about the time he was living in. He wasn't a soothsayer. He wasn't a fucking futurist. You know, he couldn't. He couldn't have a crystal ball and see these things. So, but what happens is that's the thing with theatre. You know, people put on what's a certain sure bet. You know, so when I was, uh, I I loved comedy. You know, so I was asked by Dave Coffey, who you've had in the show. Yeah, yeah, Dave, is, yeah. Dave, Dave, brilliant writer, and Dave did Dan and Bex, mm. and he um, had seen me in a show, and he knew that I that I wrote, so he was actually the first person to take a punt on me. You know what I mean? Like Dave was, you know, he really was, and he really uh, pushed me and that show, Sarah and Steve, forward, because he had an idea to write a working class version of Dan and Bex, and to write it with me. So myself and him got together, because he'd seen me on stage, he kind of asked would I possibly be in the show, and then he'd seen some stuff I'd done online, some comedy stuff, and he said, maybe you should... I said, yeah. So he was actually the first one to take a punt on me, you know. Did well, you love that idea, did you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I really loved it. Well, I just... I thought it was just like, right, this is really smart. And sim- not simple. Simple kind of does it, doesn't do it justice. But it was kind of... That's usually the, where the best kind of ideas from come from, the most successful ones are the ones that people go, oh, why didn't I think of that before? And I was like, well, you didn't. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? It's yeah, the same yeah. reason, like, Noel Gallagher, people always give out about Noel Gallagher. It's like, oh, it's a three-card thing. And I was like, yeah, but it's simple, but it's, it's chimed with lots of people and you didn't think of it, so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, hate Wonderwall all you like. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't do it. Just, uh, just on the whole certainty of thing, I always think, like, a measure of something is in its longevity and still to this day, I'm using Turbo Deadly because of Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice one, yeah. So there you go, like, I know somebody else, uh, Darborn, who constantly uses Turbo Minty Fresh as well, so <laughs> there you go, man, do you know what I mean? That was, Turbo was actually, a few of my mates, like, you know, just kind of fucking at a party, like, that's all, Shane Steve was, was just kind of like, kind of fucking conversations of mad different weekends, you know what I mean, and then just kind of like, it was like, now you got your own TV show, I was like, psych, going to show in as many mad references as I can, take that RTE, <laughs> have a yoke, uh, but uh, it was like, yeah, it's just kind of like showing as many, I remember like, at like lots of different things we were, um, yeah, like some of was like on Turbo, you know, like people going, do you support Celtic or oh, Turbo Celtic <laughs> so it's like just for like two weeks was a kind of thing like oh, Turbo you know so yeah I said I was right well I'm ever doing a show I'm putting that into it you know? I think on the day then we just said Turbo Minty Fresh was like a it was like an improv you know what I mean it was like oh, what's stupid is kind of non sequitur various different things you can say you know yeah. see Matt Elvis that was Turbo Minty Fresh Matt Elvis you know various different degrees of you know the nomenclature of mad you know? <laughs> different ways of being mad yeah 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 <laughs> on namesakes you know yeah but uh, yeah so Dubnowski like, well not Dubnowski but uh, Sarah and Steve that was one of the first things they did but I don't think that that only kind of came about and people only kind of like you were saying the reason the reason the question was about being from Tala mm. not really like it didn't it didn't it was never really a, a, a block because um but I think if I hadn't become an actor and I was working maybe outside of the industry and I was writing and I was living in Tala, it it's a much it's, it probably would have been much harder for you to get the people to listen to your ideas. Really? Yeah. yeah, just because, <clears throat> you know, you kind of find yourself in the industry. So when you're working from within the industry, it's much easier to kind of like, you know, get across your ideas. And even for me, it was still hard, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to get, like, you know, Sarah and Steve was, Dave took a punt on it and the people that made that and Beck's did, but like, I don't think... I don't think the people in RTE really understood what it was. You know what I mean? Like they they knew it was well, sequel to Dan Bex. More, more uh, s- s- seasons. Yeah, well they did. Yeah, they did. Like they were supposed to go. I was writing a second season and then never came back. You know, but I think that's what happens over there a lot of time. They don't. They just don't understand the kind of they 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 kind of do. The, what happens to producers and people will go. They'll constantly ask questions like, "Is this good?" I'm not sure. You know what I mean? So they're actually the ones yeah. that are making it and putting it on, but they're not judging their own opinion. They're waiting to hear what. The audience they, says. They also seem as well, though, to constantly kind of push, like, I don't want to use the word established because just because they're there a long time to me, it doesn't mean that they're either well established yeah. or good, like. Mm. But you constantly see the same names and the same faces, and sometimes they're kind of like, break the mold, lads. That's sometimes where the gold is as well, you know? Absolutely. I think, yeah, and it, it, is, it, is, a case, it is a case that you kind of go, 
it's, it's you know it's just tried, tried and tested. You know what I mean? It's mm. like kind of go like it's what's the names on English TV like yeah, Ant and Deck. Mm. You know that kind of way like yeah, yeah. So much money involved in these kind of things like they'll never take a punt. Do you know that yeah, kind of way yeah. like yeah? But it's the Steve Martin kind of quote. You know you have to kind of keep on being brilliant until they take notice of you. Now we know I think Alison Spittle who is a new face, is getting her own TV show, which is brilliant. Yeah. And also... Uh, she's been working hard for yeah, many years, and she's, man. She's very funny. And all, like, yeah, you know? she's really funny, and she's great. And Joanne McNally, yeah. you know what I mean, is, is a new face. You know, she... And also, um, Stephanie Preuser is... Yeah, yeah is brilliant. An actress in yeah, she's brilliant. And she has her show... Uh, Can't go bonko. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, like, they're... they're I'm hoping this is a new wave of kind of like new writers, new female writers as well, you know what I mean? Like that are pushing new kind of forms of comedy because a lot of the time, a lot of comedy on Irish TV was all kind of like, it was kind of working class buffoonery. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? It's a great way of putting it, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's kind of a character who's kind of, you know, and, um, you know, what kind of situations can we put this character in? So it was never kind of scripted comedy in the way you have on British TV, like Only Feels and Horses or The Likely Lads or, you know. They're just afraid, like you said, to take a punt on take something a punt. like that. Well, you know what it is? It's about money. They don't have the mm. development money. So like to write like a six-part thing, like Can't Cope, Won't Cope, takes a lot of time. You know what I mean? And it takes a lot of skill. And it, and they kind of would go, right, well, it'd be great if we could just have like Zig and Zag or what was it, Podge and Rodge, slagging yeah. celebrities. So that's kind of, you know, because that's cheap and it's effective to do. Or hidden camera shows. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's all about just kind of like what kind of money do they have? So scripted comedy is incredibly difficult to make and it's incredibly difficult for people to see how it could be successful because there's a lot they can lose. Whereas they go, oh, well, we'll just get another kind of hidden camera show or fucking, you know. They know kind of like, because the, the content essentially is, is the public. Yeah. And yeah. it's the same reason why like, you know, shows like uh, RuTube or whatever, you know what I mean? There's no nothing in that it's just essentially like it's YouTube. a show it's YouTube well the, peop- the people make the content same way Facebook yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean so it's not about creator driven kind of thing like Facebook and all these kind of like things that make money are just kind of farming up or not whatever you know harvesting up kind of ideas of other people and putting it out there as entertainment you know it's like reality TV shows it's fucking <laughs> let's just keep on churning that shit yeah, out that's just that, there, obviously there's an audience for it but like one of the major parts of it is complete economics you know yeah. well speaking of Turning stuff out and reality TV with RTE. Don't tell the bride, man. It oh is, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It is without doubt. Like I have a on on plus a record or whatever you yeah. call a series link, man. Right? Do you get to write your own? Oh no, no, no. That's actually yeah. Uh, that, that's actually written by a guy, really, ah. really funny character, really great guy called John Murphy. Some of the quips are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, very like, funny. He, uh, John. I suppose I don't want to talk about him, but John, John's a comedy writer <laughs> and uh, he was a police officer as well in London for 20 years. Wow. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's, he writes play. He has, a, he has a play coming out called Elvis Is My Daddy. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, that's a play Can he Leo wrote. Murphy in that, was he? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So yeah. he, he wrote that and uh, he's, he's a really funny guy, a really funny writer, a real dapper character as well. He dresses yeah. really well. He has a handlebar moustache <laughs> and all, you know. Uh, no, he writes all that. Uh, yeah, really. how, how did you even was that just the kind of we need a voice over artist he sounds it. great yeah yeah that's it but that's like it's, you do different voices for different ones you know so yeah, John yeah. writes those kind of puns for me you know so like you know it'd be something like the, the bride is on some sort of hen party and like they'd be, they'd be tossing out the muck over like a you know they always give the bride a kind of really crap kind of hen party to go on and they go on a good one and you know, I was like looks like this is the last straw you know like so all I was kind of thinking he knows that I'll do them as well like really kind of so I said the other day I goes both of us are cheese balls you know what I mean? like, uh, but you see like yeah and it's just, like this different voiceover as well like this is my kind of accent it's kind of like whatever kind of accent I have now like but you know when you're doing a kind of it's a performative thing you yeah. know he's not with the microphone so it's all kind of like Coming up this week, oh my God, you know, it's kind of all heightened and it's all kind of, um, you know, asides, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, the, 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 what's the thing, the um, show about the come dine with me or kind yeah. of, you're commenting on it and you're trying to be funny, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the vo- you obviously love the voiceover work because you're the king I, of the voiceover. What's that? You're the king of voiceover. The, like, all of them. I do every single one of them. Uh, yeah. There's actors out there that hate me. <laughs> <laughs> They're all sitting at home, like, thinking of ways how to basically, you know, take me off the map. <laughs> Possibly, like, sticking bear traps outside my door and stuff, you know? Not him again, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the Legion, what's not the Legion of Doom? What's the Super Friends? Maybe you don't remember that, like, superheroes, Super Friends. They're all sitting around the table thinking of different ways of taking me out, you know? <laughs> drawing up all the work. Yeah, some sort of voiceover kryptonite. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, like, I don't know, can you get me to drink tea tree oil thinking it's fucking like, you know, <laughs> lemonade. 
these are the these are the creative things I think. This isn't actually like a cabal of shadowy actors out there that do want to actually do me harm. Um, well, that, pro- make, that make a good TV show, nonetheless, though. You know, could do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each week, you know, basically me trying to like wacky racers or something like that. Except there's a lot of like out of work voiceover actors trying to take me out. <laughs> Not like a date, but you know, literally yeah. take me out like an assassin. <laughs> uh, Send him yeah. some mod after you with tonsilitis, kiss him. Yeah, and snog the know, face out. So basically, anybody who's sick and you sneeze. <laughs> Tonsillitis. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know tonsillitis is effective. Or is it, is it, is it? infectious? Possibly. I think it is. I think it, has, it is if you're smooching. Yeah, if you're smooching. Smooching. Yeah. Smooching. Getting smooches. <laughs> um, in term, you know the way like you would uh, kind of be writing stuff yeah. and you have ideas and stuff like that. Does it work the same with the voiceover stuff or is it just... Oh no, that's just the voiceover stuff is just totally like... Literally using your majestic voice. That's it. Yeah, just as an actor, you just kind of like... So it's a paycheck you know. so, yeah? <coughs> What's that? It's a paycheck so, yeah? yeah. that's it. You know, so, well look, you don't have any... <coughs> it's not a creative thing. It's like, it's, it's literally just... Yeah. Um, it's a job you know really? like in a way it's like you just go in you get given a script and you read it you know so that would be like there'd be nothing I wouldn't have had to do any of that you know what I mean that's just like a kind of you go in there's a script and you read it you know deadly I don't want to do the order matches in the Champions League oh yeah uh, well I try to kind of there is a, like c- cognitively is that the word oh, consciously is the word I'm looking for um, yeah I can kind of with that it's good because I can kind of use my own accent mm. So, you know, it's coming up tonight on RTE, and I like the kind of idea of a working class voice being on the national broadcaster in my own way, you know what Love I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. So it's good, so like, it's obviously, I don't go into the boozer go, you know, uh, you know, it's a performative kind of working class accent, so it's not like, you know, it's like walking to the beer, I'll give us two pints of Heineken, I'll be in the corner, till Tuesday, with Bayer Leverkusen and Manchester United, you know. Even that's not me right there. Manchester United, boy, I love accusing this Saturday, you know. So that's kind of the voice I do for them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> On to uh, Dublin Old School. Mm. Absolutely. I was dying to see it for ages and it was always sold out and then I had to go across the border down to Bray to watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that actually. I was like, you're not from Bray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had to cross the border. Yeah, yeah listen, there. you're not allowed bad mouth, but we just have very good relations in Bray. We're not allowed. Have you just sorted out a feud? An ongoing <laughs> no, feud? No, we, 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 <laughs> we were. Our last off. episode was down with the Bray Comedy Festival. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, how'd that go? That was great. great. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, the border is now Greystones. Okay, Greystones. So we're not allowed, so, we're not allowed in there. So is Bray South, South Dublin then? Uh, effectively, it's part of the border now. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've planted a flag. <laughs> so, we left the flag down there at the Swans. Did. Exactly. Um, it was absolutely sensational. Oh, thank um, you. I was saying to Danny earlier on, my only complaint was a selfish complaint that I didn't want at the end, you know. Oh, right, I was great. like, uh, but then he, Danny's like, yeah, but um, Emmett wants the crowd want coming back for more. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they want more, man. That's it. That's well, it. that's what I tell my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen, I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't listen to the show. You'd be yeah. grand. Uh, what was the process like writing that? Like, the, the, was it... That was... Because um, that, that sounds like... <laughs> Like you were saying earlier on with uh, Turbo Deadly and Turbo Minty Deadly, yeah, that was just this. That was your life um, during the session years. Yeah, kind of like it was. It was kind of like it was kind of an extrapolation of what would happen if <clears throat> you know you had two kind of characters like you know they meet. I just kind of thought about the idea of what would happen at two separate kind of addicts with two both having addictions yeah. but what would happen necessarily if one of them was kind of socially acceptable and one of them wasn't yeah. so one of them's gone off the abyss gone off the cliff into the abyss but now he's crawling his way back and the other one doesn't see himself as the one who's harmless but he's actually the one that's gone over the cliff you know pretty soon you know yeah. well it was a thing called show in a bag which was actually giving actors kind of the ability to write a play for themselves, you know, and usually it's a one a one act, a one hander kind of thing. So I kind of wanted to write a two hander one, you know, and I've been kind of keeping because I used to um, be involved in that kind of world of dance music and gigs and going out and like a lot of my friends are DJs. I wanted to kind of write a story about that kind of world from the outside, from the inside out, yeah. as opposed to the outside looking in, you yeah. know, and then kind of add another element of it, which was like, well, what's a counterbalance to? you know, the acceptable kind of drug addiction of, like, ecstasy or ketamine or <clears throat> any other kind of <clears throat> plethora of party drugs. And why is it that we view kind of heroin addicts or different kind of different addicts and different kind of levels of addiction or different kind of ways of, of being, you know? So, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, just I, I did it, and we did it in the Tiger Dublin Fringe. When Great. how old were you in your rota? I was twenty three. Wow. So, but it's kind of based on like the characters, like about twenty eight, you know. So the longer the show goes on, the more I kind of. <laughs> There's bits in the play, you know where they go, because they go, I'll give it up when I'm 32. No, 33, the age of Christ, and the other character, like, there are a few people in the audience who know what age I am, we're just going, fucking 28, get a grip. <laughs> it's gas, I know, I'd know people that would say that exact same thing. What? You know, I'm giving it up, like, maybe not pick out an age, but, oh yeah, giving, out, giving it all up at Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, that. Not yeah, maybe they're not addicts or whatever, but there is the yeah. nature of kind of self-destructiveness. It's like, um, man, I'm bulletproof. <laughs> I've got a, I've got at least healthy liver for another four years. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll kind of go, they'll they'll make deals with themselves. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they kind of go, yeah, it's fine. You can keep going. Don't worry about it. We all do though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. The um, the mic was going out for you. Uh, down oh. and down at the mermaid was that? I reckon was it? Oh yeah, that was fucking. It went down nowhere, didn't it? Um, well, it only went like it didn't. It didn't hamper the performance, or yeah. it, but you could just you could you kept kind of tapping it. Yeah, kind of tap it down that, no, yeah, yeah, it's happening. Thing. Well, we should probably explain to people listening that haven't seen it. Um, old school is kind of like a. It starts off with a rap, hmm. and the first seven minutes is in verse, and then it kind of goes into spoken word poetry, kind of like heartbreak, and then there's duologue scenes with the brothers like a traditional play so it's kind of like about 75 minutes of a kind of roller coaster kind of thing of through the streets of Dublin basically where you have like the character Jason who's a DJ a wannabe DJ and his older brother who's a homeless heroin addict that he meets on the streets on the Friday and then kind of meets up with him about four or five times after that you know so I know we were talking about earlier as if people would know what, we're, what the play yeah, is exactly. even about people are going what the fuck are they on about and <laughs> uh, um, so the character Jason is a DJ who uh, wants to play at a big rave at the end of the weekend. So it's done partly through um, on-mic stuff, kind of like a hip-hop or a comedy gig. And then other parts are done like a traditional play. Because there's music and the soundscape and all, you need the mics for certain elements of it. But yeah, I was on stage that night and the fucking sound went out and I had to literally smack it. You know, to get the mic, there was something with the battery or something, there was a short thing, but it oh, fucking came back on. It came back on, yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a granddad with a telly in the 50s, you know, like, <laughs> damn it! You know what I mean? Like, fucking, so I hit it, yeah, and it kind of came back on, but yeah, that would have been shit, but it was a real different type of play that I've been to, though. Oh, yeah? In, in that, like, you started from the crowd coming yeah. in, there was a lot of performance, dance, kind of dancing around. Yeah, there's a lot of movement kind movement, of stuff. Movement, yeah. hip-hop, it was, it was class. It was actually a... It reminded me a bit. I don't know if you got to see Joanne McNally's play "Bite Me." I didn't, but I knew. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. There was elements of like it kind of reminded me slightly of that t- the performance was. Yeah, that it was just different. You know, there was right. only two of you. Yeah, only one of hoard. You know, is is that is that a challenge? It is. Yeah, like what happens? Yeah, it can be. You know what I mean? Like a lot of like remember I was saying a bit earlier on about the economics of getting shows on, and mm. like a lot of the time, like older plays are put on. They'd have like twelve or ten characters. But any kind of modern new plays usually have small casts or they're kind of one-man shows or two-man shows, you know, kind of way. Yeah. So performance-wise, it's it's not too tough to perform. It's like, as you can see in the show, it's really kind of physical. Yeah. So there's a kind of whole thing of... Sweating. <clears throat> yeah, oh yeah, like I lost... when I did it in Edinburgh for a month and I lost a stone. You're joking. Yeah, and like I wouldn't... I didn't fucking have that much to lose. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, and then uh, we did it in London. We went to the National just after. You would have seen it in the yeah. Mermaid. We were opening the National Theatre on the Tuesday. And yeah, we did a month then from that night onwards to like last week, I think it was. <coughs> oh yeah, again, lost and we were fucking, <laughs> you know, like a half a stone. Like, wasn't too bad this time. I was kind of taking it easy. Because it's 75 minutes, you can't leave the stage. So you have to kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of a, like a feat of athleticism. You kind of, <laughs> yeah. you fill up with water just before you go on stage because you're going to be sweating so much. So, you know, in sense, most plays you could go on you're sitting down for half of it and you're kind of in a drawing room with like a nice set it's not actually that taxing but this thing was like running a marathon yeah, you know what yeah. I mean so you have to kind of stock up with water and stuff like that before you go on stage and um, to get through it you know because you're on stage for 75 minutes and then you don't leave you know and um, so but I liked it you know what I mean like it's all the kind of elements that I would have trained for a theatre movement and voice and and you know and just straightforward acting but uh, there's a whole kind of thing in Meyer Hall he's a particular type of he was a movement um, director in the early part of the 20th century about this kind of external, externalisation of movement, so or externalisation of emotions. So if I'm, I'm using my hands, I'm on a fucking podcast, no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you kind of feel something, 
you externalize that as opposed to the other kind of thing of the the method method you know like all of these kind of great actors from the 50s and people from the early part of the 20th century like the Russian actors that would internalize these things and you know give it all kind of the minimalistic it was actually an externalization so if you're upset kind of like you know the way manga characters when they hold their heads yeah. you know what I mean you see them like going mad like so you'd see all those kind of things in the early parts of the play so kind of play was almost like a cartoon you know what I mean back and back and forth or like you know Tom and Jerry hitting each other you know yeah, yeah. and then the brother scenes were more realistic so you bring it down that was quite difficult you know what I mean like going from that kind of cartoon acting into the kind of right so com- it's really comedic and really over the top then you have to bring it down to almost kind of naturalistic would it be fair to say it's a kind of dark comedy mm. yeah I would have wrote it as a comedy that's because everyone was like going because you'd tell people to go well it's about this it's about this DJ who's addicted to ketamine and he finds his homeless heroin addict brother he hasn't seen in three years on the street and Friday and like yeah it sounds like a load of fucking laughs <laughs>, <laughs> that sounds like it's great crack uh, so yeah so no it is I wrote it as a comedy you know and it's funny most things I'd write as a comedy but then if you can kind of give it a bit of kind of depth emotional depth you know what I mean so yeah. that was one of the things I was writing Sarah and Steve even you know it was kind of it's enough to have gags and stuff like that, but in order to kind of people to keep coming back to something, there has to be something a bit more, I don't know, a bit more weighty or something to yeah. it. You know what I mean? Would um, you, sorry, would, would, you, would you think it's fair to say that your, your finger seems to be on the pulse with a lot of things in terms of capturing certain things about where we are at the moment as a yeah. country? Like, I mean, you're socially analysing things in a way that is... I don't see many other people doing it with the kind of craft that you're doing it, you know what I mean? Like, Jeez, yeah. um, like it's, it's some of the little nuances that you're hitting on with this stuff is incredible. Like, thank and that's you. I think that's why everything that you touch goes viral. Oh, that you. it gets the it gets the mood of the nation, I think. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Like, I mean, it's one of those things you kind of you don't know how that long that'll last. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause, but what I find is with a lot, of, and and I think it comes from that kind of place of if theatre or if anything of poetry is going to be vital then it can't continue to be kind of retrogressive is that a word or re- not it re- is now it is now yeah well regressive kind of seems like it would be something that's kind of bad but I mean retrogressive in the sense of looking backwards right, so yeah, there's a yeah. constant kind of thing of like looking backwards and you know Ireland's best kind of times literally or in a, liter- in a literature sense or in a writing sense of behind it and so much, you know what I mean? But mm. that, like, young people don't feel like that. They feel like the thing that they are doing is more important and more relevant to now than anything yeah. that was written then can be for now. So that kind of came about from, you know, old plays, constantly having to do old plays. And it was like, oh, well, look, I think people, there's, there's an appetite for what's happening now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's very hard to get like and write Irish dramas that speak about Ireland now and actually have any kind of edge because the only people who can do it can really are RTE you know what I mean so like you'll never see the show like The Wire yeah. on RTE Love Hate's great you know what I mean Love yeah. Hate was really good but that was you know one of a lot of shows that never kind of touched on that so you know I kind of thought to myself well look and I think a lot of young I think loads of young Irish poets it's not just me there's fucking loads of young Irish playwrights and young Irish poets are writing their own stuff and trying to get it out there and they're talking about what's actually happening right now. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's more important than actually putting on old plays or going back to old poets. And you know what I mean? There's a new kind of voice that people and there's an there's an appetite, I think, for for new voices. But not only new voices, but theatre that's visceral and speaks to people's lives and experiences and what they're experiencing now. So I think that was the kind of idea that you were saying about poetry. Maybe people yeah. kind of felt it was always backwards looking. There was never any modern stuff that was breaking through, you know, yeah. um, into the school books even. So like now kind of modern poetry can break through through performance and through the videos and it's online, you know. I really think that, that that is the medium. Like I'm a big believer in the medium is the message. And I think yeah. that's, that's the way I think it has to go. I think like it has to. Man. Yeah, in order for it to kind of, in order for it to breed life, you know, because mm. even if you do get a book deal as a poet and you try to get your stuff out there, it's like the, the, the circulation of it, like it probably only will have 200 copies printed. Yeah. 500 maybe. So that's then only 500 people and that's of all 500 copies are yeah. read. Mm. So in some ways, like, and like, like I love books. I love books. <laughs> books are great. <laughs> <laughs> but I genuinely do like, I love books. I love reading poetry on the printed page. I like it. But in order for it to have a kind of life beyond, which is essentially quite, I don't know if esoteric is the right word, but like something that is a very niche market, 
can only be enjoyed by a very, very small number of people. Mm. So if you want to get your stuff out to a larger kind of audience, you need to use the mediums that are there now, you know, kind of way. But people often kind of say, they go, oh, young people will only watch like a two-minute video. They won't. They obviously don't. You know what I mean? Because like, I think, but it is that thing if they'll they'll watch a two-minute cat video because it took two minutes to make. Do you know what I mean? So like with Heartbreak though, like Heartbreak took a year to write on and off you know what I mean various different kind of incarnations of it like it didn't I wrote it like in, in blocks and then would come back to the people so it takes a long time to get even seven minutes of that you know that kind of way like yeah. so so it'll probably take another while before something like that I'll do something like that again do you know that kind of way because yeah. it's because um, what happens with the modern world is the thing that like I suppose what happens with the modern world is that because people have all these platforms like Twitter and Facebook, they constantly need new stuff to put out every day. So there's a thing of, you know... Content. Content, content, content. You know what I mean? So but what happens is then the content isn't... It's it's kind of... It's never... It needs deep thought yeah. and deep time in order to kind of, you know, make something that maybe is... That resonates with people a bit more, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, in terms of... I think... I, I, I don't know if stuff I do kind of like... I don't know if it resonates with everyone or like young people, but I suppose it's just whatever I do is driven by the idea of making new things and not kind of continually going back to kind of, you know, old plays. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking We're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. We had yeah. a brilliant, brilliant chat. I have two questions left. This is what I always do with Dan, sorry. You're a little dope. You're a dope. <laughs> Dublin old school. Are you going to see that um, kind of adapted to a film? We're trying to adapt that at the moment, and uh, yeah, so trying to figure out a way of making it work because it's obviously a play that or a story that can only be told on stage. On stage, you know what I mean. So, because um, uh, story that only can can only be told well, like not can only be told on stage. But when I first wrote it, I thought to myself, "This is a story that you can only really tell on stage." So um, yeah, so it's basically about a way of finding a way of writing it and putting it onto 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 a screen. You know, kind Deadly. of find a different way of doing it. You know, lovely. Yeah. Last question. Where did Sarah and Steve end up? Oh, second series. What was going to happen there was he goes off to, he goes off to Australia, comes back with an Australian girlfriend. Oh, no. Who he hated. Like, he was a fucking head wrecker. He was kind of like this Jesus. hippie. And winds up moving him and his mom. And his mom hates her. And then, uh, and then, like, uh, and then Sarah, I don't know, there was kind of a story. Sarah had got with your man, Deco. You know, the dickhead. Yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> that was the original and then we, we that didn't happen and then there was talk of it coming back as a live action TV show and that would have been pretty cool we kind of had a whole list of characters like that we're going to come into like so um, Sarah's Sarah's ma is a mad thing but she starts going out with this IRA horse whisperer <laughs> <laughs> so like you vlog he's in it like well it's kind of alluded to that he's in the kind of he was in the rat or something like that but he actually is a horse whisperer which is kind of I just thought it was quite funny <laughs> It would be a funny kind of thing. So, you know, all the horses in the gardens, he was kind of like, you know, fucking sorry, I have this, you know, and, he could, and he'd start, he'd start like kind of, you know, calming the horses, the wild horses in Tala. And, uh, and then Steve kind of moves in with his dad. His dad's a bit mad. His dad and his brother basically are plasterers, but they won't give Steve a job, you know, like, and just kind of, the dad's obsessed with like WWE wrestling. I love yeah. it. So him and the brother keep on like, you know, doing Jimmy Snookerfly on top of like Steve. And like you know, they keep on slagging Steve because he wants to be a poet and stuff. And they're like, "Oh no, fucking Tosser with his poems." You know what I mean? It's like, "You're my father." You know, you're not supposed to be fucking slagging me. He's like, "Get a grip." You know, like so. It's a constant kind of thing. Like Steve is just like the whipping boy. Oh, and his ma as well was a bitch. You know, his ma not a bitch. His ma was a bitch. His ma was like teased him relentlessly. You know, that kind of way, like a kind of fucking being a sap. You know, like a kind of that he's mad into. You know, Morrissey and all this. He was like, "Oh, would you write a fucking new song or poem about it?" Um. So yeah, I was writing that for ages and then that was going to be a live action pilot like a Christmas special and then uh, that sounds unreal it, yeah, yeah, hopefully it would have been good man. and then he basically what happens is in that in that series though that was the live action one where we would have actually had characters characters in the kind of like a proper sitcom but the um, the it just the plug was pulled on that like but uh, the Australian girlfriend wasn't going to be in that one she was only going to be in the the sequel to the original right. kind of straight to yeah. the camera one but um, 
I kind of had an idea. Yeah, like that. The whole kind of episode, whole five, four part episode or whatever, would be about him trying to win Sarah back. Right. Who doesn't ah, want to get back with him in yeah. another kind of way? And, then, and get rid of the Aussie board. Yeah, yo, yeah. Well, she Aussie board's gone or something. He gets rid of her in the first episode, and then like she's trying to win her back from Deco, and then Deco basically starts chasing Steve around Tala and kind of <laughs> trying to get him, you know. Uh, and but he employs the uh, Sarah. Sarah's horse whisper, oh, right, horse whisperer, stepdad, <laughs> which is a whole thing. Basically, tries to. Uh, he kind of like he takes a liking to Steve as opposed to your man Deco so he's oh. trying to help him you know what I mean so, yeah it would have been great crack but look you know these things they might so they didn't take a punt they didn't take a punt on nah, it. they like, missed a B they missed a B yeah I think like, you know old school successful you know you can come back to these yeah. things yeah. but but the, the whole Dan and Bex there and Steve thing what people wanted was kind of more characters or live action or whatever yeah. That's it. People want. This is what I was saying about modern stuff. Like people want to see their lives reflected on screen. Yeah. There's a reason. Well, not reflected on screen, but they want to see stories that they can identify with. Yeah. So the thing with Irish television is people watch RTE. Like they, I think people always give out about RTE, but Irish people watch Irish television yeah. because they like Irish voices and they want to see Irish stories. Yeah. So there's a kind of push. Like they obviously watch American TV because like it's brilliant and it's a fucking thing. But there is a reason why they still watch bad Irish TV. It's because there's an appetite for Irish content. Yeah. So, yeah, people do. They want to see, like, you know, multi-character, well-written, scripted dramas and well-written, scripted comedies. But, you know, they just, they don't, they don't put in the, um, what's the word, investment. Because it costs money, you know, so. Yeah. But hopefully, you know what I mean? Like, I think what's happening with Irish films now is there's just a lot more Irish movies that are being made. That, yeah. You know, so that kind of avenue is there for people to get Irish stories out to the public much greater and TV3 actually are doing great stuff like yeah, Red Rock's right. good yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like Red Rock I think um, it's great This is Jobstown was great yeah. yes I didn't, I didn't see that now yeah, it was yeah. good yeah it was good really yeah, enjoyable I didn't see yeah. but uh, yeah Sorry, I'm delaying, isn't it? No, no, we're, we're delaying you. We're delaying you. We're delaying you. Thanks so much, Anna. Very quickly, if people aren't already following you on social media and whatnot, where can I get you? Oh, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Emmett Kieran on Twitter. But I'll be honest with you, I am the most non-prolific <laughs> tweeter. <laughs> <laughs> I usually just like retweet something or someone will say something like, oh, cheers. <laughs> so if you're looking for a pithy kind of like, you know, world weary kind of analysis, don't go to Twitter. I'm there, like, but, you know, I'm just hanging out in the corner looking at the plants. And, <laughs> and Riot's return to Vicar Street. Tickets. Riot's coming back and Vicar Street tickets are on sale. It's probably uh, Ticket. They're releasing more, I think, next week and it's going to be on in July. 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 And what else is coming back? Nope, that's it. Riot. Deadly. Summer. Oh, actually, oh. Young Blood is a gig that is on the 18th of March in the St. Patrick's Festival. Uh, the day after St. Patrick's Day, the Saturday, 18th of March in National Concert Hall. There's a gig called Young Blood, um, Voices of Our Generation. And it's uh, myself, John Cummins, Sarah Clancy, uh, Abby Oliveira. Uh, also headlining it then will be Stephen James Smith, Hair Squad, uh, and Koji Radical and Rosangano family. So it's a mixture of spoken word, poetry, hip hop, and loads of different. Uh, the National Concert Hall. It's on the National Concert Hall. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's gonna be that's gonna be a great one. That's um, Brilliant. that's a big gig. Like there's a lot of kind of a lot of heads at that. And Koji Radical now is a, a, a young guy from London, but he's a fucking brilliant. He's a he's a hip hop artist, grime artist, but he actually kind of kind of threads between that world of uh, both. Um, spoken word on hip hop Russ and Gano family are fucking if you've ever seen them live amazing they're from Limerick they're fucking like on 18th of March here. 18th of March yeah and Russ and Gano family if you haven't seen them live yeah, check them out their, their, their energy they're fucking amazing they're Deadly. really brilliant yeah they're one of the best lawyers hip hop acts out there you know so right venue as well for yeah, it yeah yeah hopefully yeah yeah so Riot Vicar Street keep an eye out for tickets lads they're going to go quick and in March 18th National Concert Hall that one you have to go to as well. But anyway, Emmett, look, man, thanks for coming out to thanks us. Thanks for having us. Nice deadly. Love Cheers. It. What a bloke. Great guy. He's very, um, he has his finger on the pulse with society, doesn't he? Big time. And it's kind of, his videos are incredible. Love the one just saying, love heartbreak. But sure, his, his Heartbreak, voice. heartbreak went a little bit over my head, I wasn't mad, but just saying, I absolutely love just saying. I just love his voice. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I didn't get to see the play, as I said to him, but, <laughs> but I seen, like, there was, like, bits of it recorded for YouTube for promo stuff, mm. and it was brilliant. Again, what I was saying earlier about Young Offenders, I went to see uh, Dublin Old School, as yeah. I said previously, and my only complaint is that it's not long enough. 
Because you're just enjoying it. Always leave them wanting more. Exactly, hundred percent. Always leave them wanting more. Um, but it's gas that like Emmett's voice is always on yeah. RTE. Don't tell the bride. Don't tell the bride. The yeah. Champions League matches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three. Yeah. Class. But he do, he has like he has that voice that draws you in. I was going to say, and like it's not neutral enough that you can't associate to it, and it's not overly Dublin that it turns you off like yeah. it's do you know what I mean like anybody anywhere around the country go it's a Dublin accent but it's not going to turn you off like yeah big time and a great guest delighted he carved out a bit of time to speak to us so where are we As we are in the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel and we will continue to be in the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel especially for WTS 100 the live show if you've been following us for the last while you will know that we made a big announcement that we're doing a live show in aid of suicide or survive and that's coming up on May 18th. It's a Thursday. Tickets will be on sale soon. We'll release details. We've already told you some, not all, we're keeping a few tricks up our sleeve, but some of the guests, which will include Caroline McGuigan of Suicider Survive, Al Foran, and Eric Lawler. Eric Lawler. But alas, it's time for us to go, Graham. It's sad to see you go. Yeah. I'm we say this like we don't talk at all during the week. <laughs> we don't. Um, but before we go, if you want to follow us, we're on Twitter at WTSPod. I'm at Dan John Murray. He's I'm at Mary Gamania. Good man, yeah. Um, <laughs> you cut me off me stride, man. I was Sorry, going for man. that long breath again. Yeah, Grant, don't worry about it. If you haven't already subscribed, you need to. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict. Anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast, just search WTSPod. We are there. We're over 85 chapters now for you to download and listen to, lads. Get on it. If, if you're only joined us recently and you haven't gone back through the back catalogue, you can even pick up when we had Lindsay Danger Doyle on board. <laughs> for, I think it was 30 chapters she was with us. It's mad to think that we're doing this longer without her. I know, mean, yeah. It's not. Like, stop. Because I still feel as though like it's, she was here a couple of months ago. It's you know gone on I mean? two years and two months or something. It's crazy, man. Ridiculous. Crazy. And thanks to everyone for listening and putting us in the top 15 last yeah, week. Exactly, that was deadly. Yeah. We'll get you Marion Finucan. It's the last thing I do, we'll get you. Exactly. Until next time. A little tick. I was meant to say something else, but it doesn't matter. Go on until next week. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. Too sweet.